0: Well, Jeff, if you have something profound, we're going to start the music. Start the music, then. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show.
1: i guess i'll start it here yeah go ahead okay well welcome to the fields Brothers show podcast we don't always have all this stuff perfectly planned out i am jeff fields and i'm here with my you interrupted me i'm trying to give an intro and you are interrupting me i'll start over i'm jeff fields i'm here with my older brother roger we're coming to you from central kentucky to where we talk about life on this side of the cross we help folks not fall into the trap of the faithless language of longing we talked about that last time that we look into Jesus the finished work and life as we talked about last time uh, the, the good news is descriptive not prescriptive we are not here to tell you what to do we are here to remind you what has happened and because of that the difference that it's made in your life who you are Roger one question someone asked me recently see how you answer this course, our, our book, uh, Breaking the Hex, Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. It's from the book uh, loosely based on Galatians chapter 3, available on Amazon. The um, So Breaking the Hex was from the Message Bible. I think they've since used a different word on that, but the older versions of um, of the Message had the hex, who who, who has put a hex on you, Described starting with law, then trying to finish in grace, or excuse me, starting with grace, trying to finish in law, starting in the strength of the Spirit, trying to finish with flesh. The question was put to me, uh, and a friend of mine, does everyone have to go through a form of the hex? I mean, it always seems like every new believer at some point, sometimes sooner, sometimes later, kind of falls into that. So the question is, is that, abs- I mean, does that always have to happen? Can there be someone that just hears the good news and takes it and runs with it and can, and, and rest in that and grows in that and never does fall back into that trap? What do you think of
0: that? Well, that's a great question. Uh, here's, what, here's what I would say. I think the people who are – now this is a – and maybe I'm wrong on this one. Okay? i let you straighten me out. It seems to me like the people who I've known who have not had a big problem with going back into law are the people who have just not read a lot of Christian books. Or don't have have, much of a background. Yeah, they just kind of believe this message, and they just they've just been good, and they just have somehow or another. And I I mean, I think I know some people like that who just, for whatever reason, the uh, the law has just washed over them. They just have not ever struggled with Mm -hmm. that. They just kind of got it, and I don't know how they did it. Honestly, in a way, you know, I mean, they just never seemed to fall into the trap of trying to go back to their own efforts some i think i i would say agree with you i think most people do at some point go back into that a little bit and realize how futile it is well some people never realize that they just yeah. stay, stay yeah. in it's futile <laughs> and they just either they get you know, we've said before they either get discouraged or they get prideful and kind of self-delusional you know but um i mean i don't know It's a great question
1: yeah i replied reply by saying you know I, I don't think it's impossible to uh yeah. to avoid the hex but boy in our culture it's sure difficult because unfortunately what happens even if someone doesn't have a church background i mean you've seen this before say someone doesn't have any church background at all no christian teaching and then say they're in their 20s or even 30s or whatever and and they come to see christ and they receive christ they're they're born again. But because of our culture, they're thinking, "Well, what do I do now? I've got to get involved in this program and that program, and I've got to, you know, tell me what I need to do." And we, we tell them it's a free gift, and then yeah. as soon as they they're in the family, we we dump this mountain of books yeah. and guides and principles on you know, them. And um,
0: you may you may be thinking, I watch sometimes I watch preachers on TikTok, okay, and some of them are actually pretty good. Some people you've <laughs> but, never heard of. And there's one of them, there was a young African American man. He was who I guess he was a pastor of a church. You know, looked like he was kind of a, a rap artist, kind of, you know, by his appearance on. And, and he was great. And he said, just don't look to me for what you should be doing. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. He kept pointing them back to God. He said, I don't know what you should be doing. He hey, well, I like I mean, you never hear pastors say stuff like that. And he was just all over him like, I don't know. You know, yeah. you have the spirit of God in you. God can show you. And he, I, That's thought, he was, That's I thought it was brilliant. I mean, I was impressed. They I can't remember his me. name. I'm going to find it again. I'm going to maybe put his name out sometime. That
1: reminded me. One of my pet peeves is um, – Titles, you know, pastors and using different titles and all the stuff. And one of the things we were, you know, recently, I, I think I mentioned last podcast, we attended Bellevue Baptist. One of the things I appreciated about that, some things I would do different, and didn't necessarily see everything just the way it was presented. But the one thing I did, one of the things, one of the things I like, not the only, but one of the things I like in the bulletin, um, the pastor's name who's been there for a long time. I didn't realize that he followed Adrian Rogers, and and it was like. 16 17 15 18 years ago quite a while the guy that found him is still there okay and in the bulletin they they still have kind of a you know hard copy bulletin at the top of it It um, had brother so-and-so or bro period so-and-so and i looked at their website the guy does have a, a doctoral degree in something but i just appreciate the fact that he didn't present himself as doctor so-and-so or even pastor so-and-so that the titles and brother so-and-so and that and you know just the, I always remember the phrase I heard years ago that there's no higher title in the body of Christ than that of brother. And so there's just right. I mean, anything that smacks of kind of a hierarchy or a mediator. Someone's kind of coming in between. But anyway, I saw this on Facebook the other day. It was a sponsor deal, so it just popped up here. Some, are I'm, you
0: changing the topic? Or are, we, are you oh, still, this on, still this on this segment? thing okay. of titles? I got this, something to say. Okay, still on ahead. the topic All of right.
1: titles. So this is some... Uh-huh. Um, homecoming revival that's in September. I don't even know what state this is in or anything, but they have pictures of the four different speakers. I'm not going to name any of their names, and I never heard of any of them. I'm not going to tell you any of the names, but <laughs> all their titles. So the the first one is Dr. so So on Thursday night, you get to hear from Dr. So-and-so. On Friday, you get to hear from Pastor So-and-so. On Saturday, you get to hear from Bishop So-and-so. My favorite one, on Sunday, you'll get to hear from Revivalist So-and-so. So well, that's his title. He is a revivalist. Have you seen that title before? I didn't know people had a title.
0: I of, have seen it, not very often. I don't if That would be it. on his
1: business card, yeah. but you know, so doctor, pastor, bishop, revivalist. I don't know. That well, are kind of you
0: saying that I, you think I was wrong? What I did in the dentist office then?
1: About the, uh, I think I remember yeah. you saying something yeah, they like asked, this. They put that on, your, they gave your, me the form. Your they, your said, well, or or they said, or something like that. They
0: said, "What do you prefer to be called?" It was a form. I said, "Well, I thought I thought about that. What do I prefer to be called?" I thought, "Well." <laughs> I prefer to be called Your Majesty, and so mm-hmm. that's what I put down on the form. And the nurse a little stuck her head out the door a few minutes later. After she had the form. She goes, "Did you put down Your Majesty on the form?" <laughs> I said, "Well, <laughs> you asked me what I preferred to be called, and so from now on, I'm like I mean, they always say Your Majesty." So anyway, I thought so I, I probably shouldn't have done. So, what
1: that. would you? What would she have said? She said, "No, I didn't put that there." And then what she would have said, I it don't. I don't know, but
0: I didn't. I, I owned up to it. So,
1: anyway. but anyway, um, so I don't know how we got off on that, but anyway, so um. So the titles and all that you got. You got other stuff. You know, I,
0: here's the thing about t- titles don't really bother me that much. I think it's kind of funny, but they don't. You know, I mean, I think I like it when they have more than one title, though. You know, the Reverend <laughs> Doctor So Pastors. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like it when they have multiple titles. You know, this guy, this guy's on the ball here, man. He's.
1: <laughs> one thing I heard. Um, re- you ready for something else here? Yeah, go ahead. The. Uh, you know, we talked about a lot of different people that have good podcasts, write books and pastors and all this. One we've hardly mentioned at all. He's a really good guy that has a lot of good teaching is uh, Brad Robertson. And, um, and I was listening to one of his podcasts the other day, and he said something that I hadn't really, a couple things that I'm going to point out that I hadn't really thought of, but the idea of being ashamed or not ashamed of the gospel. And he pointed out the difference. There's a lot of people who are not ashamed of Jesus but are ashamed of the gospel, and like so Romans one, Paul didn't say, For I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He said that's I'm a not ashamed point. of the gospel. Yeah, that's great. And then in in um let me find it here so I can read it. Second Timothy one, eight, he tells Timothy uh, hang on here. Can you fill some time while I find this here? 2 Timothy 1. Uh, Jeff, you're supposed to be prepared um, okay, when you do Okay, all right, podcast. never mind. Well, your, I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean for you to fill it that way, but okay. anyway, <laughs> I found it here. 2 Timothy 1a. Therefore, do not. So Paul's writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1a. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me. And I think some, uh, I don't know if some may say gospel there, but he says, nor of me, his prisoner. Okay, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to to the power of God who has saved us and called us, not by his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Jesus Christ. You know, and I hadn't really thought about it that a lot of people were ashamed of Paul. And so he tells Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're ashamed of me, you're really being ashamed of the gospel. But there is, in our day, Jesus is fairly popular, you know, relatively well-spoken of, you know, but he's just because they don't, you know, they just seem as someone who, was a nice guy and taught kindness and Yeah, I mean, for people, see
0: Jesus in different ways. When I mean, they say, "Well, he 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 was a great humanitarian. He was a philanth you know, no philanth, you know, kind of a social, <laughs> kind of a Middle Eastern social worker is how a lot of people for, see yeah. Jesus. And he went around doing good and helping people. And we want to follow his example. We want to be a follower of Christ, which is not the gospel, not what Jesus was all about. He says, plainly, we've talked about this before, but he said, plainly, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. That's why he came, to give his life as a ransom, not to set an example. Now, is he an example? Well, I guess you could, yes, he is an example. But that's not why he came. That's not the primary focus of his mission on earth.
1: And so the idea of, you know, I'm not just ashamed, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and so well, I mean, so when when you think of that, what do you? Th- so what's the difference, Roger, between I'm unashamed of Jesus versus not ashamed of the gospel?
0: Well, the gospel is the good news of what Jesus accomplished. I mean, I'm not ashamed of the fact that through the gospel, your sins are totally forgiven, you're completely made righteous. Jesus did the work, and I'm just not ashamed of that message. Um, you can say there again when you look at Jesus. You can you you know people see Jesus in different ways. think like there's a misrepresentation of Jesus in this culture where, mm-hmm. you know, when I for instance, when I, and people just have a heart attack when I say this, but you know it's hard to find in the Gospels where Jesus did anything for the poor. Now, he fed the 5,000. Okay? We think, well, maybe they were paupers or anything poor. Well, maybe they were, maybe they weren't, didn't say that they were. But he did not start a food bank. He did not start a clothing distribution center. Mm-hmm. He did not start a shelter. Now, all these are great things. I'm not opposed to any of these things. I'm just saying he's not really setting an example for that kind of thing in the Gospels, so you know, so what yeah. you know, I mean, so you know, so what did he do? But, pe- but people kind of have this impression that we need to follow Jesus, and by that means, we need to do a lot of good stuff in our culture. Well, that's not the mission of Jesus. That's not why he came. Now, that can be a spinoff. It can happen. It can be when God puts love in your heart for other people. You can do all kinds of things, but the the main thing is that Jesus came to give his life to pay the full price for our salvation, the full price for our sins, give us his righteousness, and be united with us forever.
1: And there's different types of religious slants, so that that type would be one. But then, you know, for Paul and Timothy, I think, you know, Paul is down. you know, don't be ashamed of me in front of legalists or in front of, you know, Galatians 2, the thing, and Peter. You know, Peter was ashamed, basically, of the gospel in, in Galatians 2. Yeah. And so for those who do not believe in, you know, the... Uh, the hyper grace of God, of, of God's love, and the cross, and all this—that you know—don't be ashamed of that. The other thing that Brad mentioned, by the way, his um, his ministry or website or whatever—it was called Grace Reach, and so you can find that on the internet, I'm sure. And he's going to have a conference in October. I'm planning on attending. Where is that at? Uh, near Johnson City, Tennessee, so far northeastern eastern corner of he, Tennessee. I, I,
0: I'm sorry, but I don't know who he is. Is he a pastor? He's on church? Facebook.
1: No, well, he was on church staff, but he um. He was on uh, what church? He staff? was on a church staff. Oh. He was an associate oh, okay. on the staff of a church. Oh, okay. Um, and been a pastor at different times, and now, and he he in Johnson City, Tennessee area, somewhere right around there. And so he's kind of does his own thing now and writes some. He's written like a book or two or three. Uh, does a lot of teaching online and post. You've seen his stuff on Facebook. You just don't remember it probably, okay. good, but right. right. And I, and I met with him one time. We had lunch together one time. Oh, okay. Thank and um and good guy and just just a very good teacher. But the other thing he pointed at. I don't think I've ever heard of this. Tell me if you've ever heard of this. That the in the Hebrew the word for ark like the ark of the covenant, not Noah's ark, but the ark of the covenant. That the word for ark is the same word as coffin. Have you ever heard of that? No. So basically the Ten Commandments. So we got the Holy of Holies and God instructed that the Ten Commandments along with a couple of other things. Would be placed in the ark, which is a box, you know, type yeah, of it looks box. Looks like a coffin, yeah. yeah it's, and I don't know exactly how big it. Was, I don't remember the dimensions of it. But he said in the Hebrews, the same word for coffin. And so basically, God had the tablets of stone, the law, put in a coffin. That's pretty illustrative. That is interesting. Isn't it? I had never heard that before. <laughs> and so you huh. think about what the New Testament Paul talks about the the uh, old covenant and the law, the, the graven on stone. He says, uh, being a ministry of death, right. And that law exposes our need, exposes our sin, and then Romans seven, you know, a similar type of concept. And so it's very fitting that the in the in the Old Testament the law was put in a in coffin. coffin. So well, that is. Interesting. I have to ponder so,
0: that one a little bit. Anyway, hey, I love the scripture in Colossians chapter two, verse twenty-three. It talks about the law and all that. It says these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. And severity to the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And there's a lot of things that fall into this category. Things yeah. you do that just have an appearance of wisdom. It looks like. It ought to work. It looks good if you just read this, have this Bible plan, or this prayer pattern, or this. You know, it ought to, It ought to help you live better, but it never works. We're just trying
1: to tamp down the flesh, or and I think it was. Um, um, Bill Gillum used to talk about USDA grade A flesh. You know, mm-hmm. the flesh can look really good. There's kind of obviously immoral flesh and evil flesh, but there's also very religious-looking and very good-looking flesh. And uh, you know, I was I was got to think about this the other day too. You know, Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and that uh, more and more I'm thinking that is his primary mo method of operation is is comes in religion and getting people that we talked about last time, the deception of. Distance and delay and all that. Um got something else here. Are you are you Here's a quote from ready? our
0: friend Janet Newberry said on Facebook, our God is a god of supply, not demand. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty simple. I like that.
1: So demand is. I mean that 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 really illustrates contrast to the old covenant and the new covenant. Yeah. The the old covenant was all about
0: demand. What you thou shalt thou right. shalt do
1: this thou shalt do this thou shalt not do this thou shalt not do this. The new covenant God's saying I will right I will do this I will do that and I have done and that this. that's yeah. a huge yeah. yeah and yeah for us on the cross that the yeah, that is a, God it's a of big supply, difference not a demand. Well, speaking of friends, post, second week in a row. David Moss gets a shout out here. Um, he had a great post the other day on Noah. I don't know if you saw that just a couple days ago. And I don't. Did you know that Noah is referred to in Isaiah fifty-four? I bet you didn't um, know that, did you? No, I did not. So I'm going to read to you here Isaiah fifty-four verse nine. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. So he's recounting, you know, the speaking through Isaiah, recounting the promise that he gave to Noah. Um, for this like the waters of Noah, for I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. And so, I mean, when the rainbow came out after the ark, you know, God says I'm I'm not going to destroy the earth and it says here that I would not be angry with you or rebuke you again. I mean, that's that's kind of a I mean, not kind of, that's a picture of, of the new covenant and it's, you know, this is Isaiah 54, so you remember what's in Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. You know, all we like sheep have gone astray and God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And of course, Noah's before the law. You know, so God didn't say this, you know, he never said that to those under the law, but Noah was before the law, and so he's basically saying, "I'm not going to condemn you anymore." And that's you know that's the message of the new covenant because we have a new nature, and so we're no longer under law. And I looked up the name Noah, and I'm Maybe I knew this one time and forgot. But you know, so he, you know, the idea that he made an oath to Noah, and he also the new covenant is based on an oath of what God. Back to what we're saying, I will do this. God's oath. But, uh, and then the old phrase, the King James, I don't know what other translations, you know, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I think it's interesting that, you know, that's the first time we hear about grace in the Old Testament. Do you know what the name Noah means? Um, I had to look it up, so don't feel bad if you no, don't. No, I don't. It means either rest or peace. Okay. I mean, isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. So you got a picture here of God's grace, and, you know, he had a sign of a rainbow. Our sign is the cross. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God says, I will not condemn you anymore. I mean, that, that's a beautiful picture of the gospel.
0: I, I think it's really so. shocking to some people when you just tell them that God is just not mad at
1: you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that. that it's pretty that's simple. Idea.
0: He's just not mad at you. People go through life. I think a lot of people reject God because they think he's angry with them. They already feel rejected by God, and so they reject God a lot of times by just saying, well, I don't believe in God. And I think that, you know, with the message of the gospel, I think the primary message may be, Maybe the initial message is hey, God is just not mad at you. He's not holding your sins against you, it says the scripture.
1: Got something else I want to get your thoughts on. All right. You got? Yeah, go ahead. Someone presented this question to me. And I thought this is really interesting that in terms of those who are excited about God's grace, those who have seen the finished work of the cross, have seen the reality of the new covenant. A lot of times we we have a tendency to want to be separate, to come out and be separate among ourselves. and the question was presented to me, you know, can we grace people for lack of a better term be a little bit like the Pharisees? You know the Pharisees wanted to separate from others. they wanted to be have their own little deal going on. I mean there's a lot of it. so the idea that you know I only want to go to a grace church. I only want you know if I attend church, it's got to be a new covenant grace team. or I only want to hang around people I want to find. And I, I think there's some validity to that kind of caution that that we can almost be Pharisaical in our attempt not to be Pharisees. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. That that yeah. we're so excited about the grace of God that then we can be in tendency. You know, I, I always go back. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, yeah. we gain genuine knowledge. But if we have
0: not love, then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So. Here's, here's what I would say like this. I mean, I like to fellowship. Um, I mean, in the church I'm attending now, I mean, I, I don't wouldn't necessarily line up with every single thing I hear. But uh, the, the vast majority of it, it's, it's a grace direction. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't be, want to be such a purist that if somebody doesn't agree with me on every single little mm-hmm. point of doctrine, that somehow or another I can't connect with that organization or that person. And um, I think that's wrong. I think, you know, we didn't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always kind of, I think, evolving and growing, changing my understandings of different scriptures and what grace is, so I can't hold somebody else to a standard that I really didn't hold myself to. That makes sense. I yeah.
1: Mean, and where you may, a few years from now, you may yeah, have some yeah. thinking that's Is a little it, different from yeah. now. So, now,
0: I don't, and having said that, I don't necessarily want to go to a place where I'm all the time hearing all the stuff <laughs> I got to do. I mean, just, I, it's not like, and, you know, it's not like I feel like I'm better than the people that are at, in that situation. Yeah. I just don't connect with that. I don't think it's the gospel. I don't think it's healthy for me. I don't really think it's healthy for them either. But there's a lot of people in that that I still love. And, you know, I still yeah. think, you know, I mean, are great people, but it's not that, that I feel like, yeah, but I get your point. We don't want to feel like we're better than people who don't see grace the way we'd see it. You know?
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess my thought is now, you know, so if you're, I mean, a lot of people are struggling with where do I go to church? Of course, you know, that whether you, obviously you don't have to go to church anywhere. You know, I think it's optional, but if you really want to attend a congregation and, and I do pretty much every Sunday, uh, one congregation, we don't agree with everything that's said from the pulpit, but it's you know we we love those folks, and I think they love us, and we're, we're, we've come alongside of them. But I think there is, uh, you know, I think there is more of a place than what we may think at times to come alongside others that may not quite see it in line with us, and be loving to them, and trust yeah. the Lord to open their eyes, and and um, not to um, feel like we can only be really a part of a group that sees everything. Just like we do. Let me see if you,
0: you agree with it like this. I mean, I take the gospel seriously, but I don't necessarily take myself that seriously. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I just yeah. don't want to take myself so seriously that, you know, boy, if you don't see everything the way I do, then you're just off and you're in deception and you're in darkness and you just don't know what it's all about. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I'm very passionate about the gospel but I'm also well aware of the fact that I can make mistakes and I don't see everything perfectly. I still see through a glass darkly, as it says mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 13. So, you know, I can be off on things, but I believe that there is real power in having clarity that the gospel is something that has been already been accomplished for, by Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection for us.
1: So. And there can be times, I think, where someone would, you know, would need to leave a congregation, you know, and when it's oh. just you know being kind of spiritually abused and, and all that.
0: Well, I think if you hear law all the time, I would have a hard yeah. time seeing into that. If that's yeah. what I mean. Now, you know, occasionally you hear somebody lapse over. I mean, it's like you know, I kind of recognize it and move on.
1: I think a good quote or a good phrase from uh, Paul Ellis the other day. He was talking about earlier when he preached at a church and before he really saw the new covenant, saw grace. He said this: "I buried people under the weight of my ambition." i buried hmm. people under the weight of my ambition. Boy, if that—that's
0: true. Boy, that's that a is great, pretty common. That, that's a great. Statement. I mean,
1: that's what happens when. I think you and I both sense this, and hopefully we guard it against it to some extent. But but, but it is really easy. That's why we, you know we kind of occasionally refer to ourselves as recovering pastors. You know, there, there's just an inherent drive, and and we know some good pastors that have that I think avoid that, thankfully. But it it is not unusual for a pastor to even though they may not realize it, be driven by ambition. It may not be worldly ambition. It may be kind of a, you know, you can have a spiritual ambition, a religious ambition to do something great for God, right. and then you got to get a bunch of people along to make that happen, and you end up burying people under the weight of your ambition. Hey, so, let me
0: see. Okay, all right. She should say this way. Let me throw this out as we close. I have... I now have to think about this as it comes out of my mouth, but I have no—that <laughs> would be good. I, I have no. <laughs> I don't think I have a desire to do something great for God. I mean, it's like I have a passion for the gospel. If God decides to do something sitting through me, fine. But I don't have a drive to do something great for God. Is that wrong or not? No,
1: no. I mean, that'd probably be worth another podcast or talk about that. Kind of spend a little more time on that in the podcast. But uh, I used to. Yeah, um, I might have even said it that way. I mean, like you know, Bible is,
0: college kind of puts that in you. Yeah, you got to do something big for God.
1: The eyes of the Lord, Roger, look to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking a man whose heart is perfect toward Him. And so, yeah, I had a big desire to be the man of God. that I realized someday, no, that's Jesus. He's the one whose whose heart is perfect to the Lord, and I am in Him, and He's in me, and and we can rest in Him. Yeah, it makes and life then, a lot easier. does this for Yeah, he. Yeah. We'll we'll talk more about that in another podcast.